0: This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, Session 88, and the quote of the day is from Daniel Glass, who was actually the first ever guest on this podcast, Session 001, and he told me, never overestimate someone else's playing, and never underestimate your own. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals, information education, and motivation for drumming and beyond.
1: What's going on, everybody?
0: Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummers Resource Podcast, and I'm on the road right now, and so this may sound a little bit weird because I'm using some different different, uh, audio stuff here, but... Anyway, I'm uh, I'm in Philadelphia, and I'm freezing because it's about 10 degrees here. But anyway, we're not going to talk about the weather. We are going to talk about uh, some gig stuff. I recently wrote a, a blog article called The Secret to Getting Gigs. It's a two-minute read. You may want to check that out. It's uh, one of the most popular posts that has been on drummersresource.com. So you can check that out at drummersresource.com forward slash gigs, G-I-G-S, drummersresource.com forward slash G-I-G-S. Let me get into this interview. I'm super excited about this. I got Pat Petrillo... And for those of you who don't know who Pat is, once in a while he flies a little under the radar. Once in a while, but Pat is a world-class New York City-based drummer and educator. Uh, he's known for his deep sense of groove, uncanny technical ability, and versatility to cover any musical situation. He's played with Patti LaBelle, Gloria Gaynor, Debbie Gibson, and that's just the name a few. He's always uh, he he's a he's also excuse me a popular cl- clinician. He's released all sorts of DVDs and and books, including. Hand grooves, and fills through Hudson Music, learn to read rhythms better. He has DVDs, he teaches lessons online, and he is just a, a master clinician, master teacher, and a master player. And I'm really, really excited to have him on the show. So we're going to get right into it with Mr. Pat Petrillo. Pat, what's happening, man? Thanks hey. so much for doing this.
1: Hey, Nick. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Absolutely
0: absolutely it's nice to have another another jersey guy though i'm not originally from jersey uh i, I to jersey
1: here. always in jersey that's yeah. it <laughs> are you originally from jersey born and raised here yeah okay. in, uh new brunswick
0: oh okay yeah so i'm uh i am from originally from philadelphia but but I'm here now, and we are neighbors, and we're talking drums. So that's, that's for it. sure, man.
1: Thanks for having me on here.
0: It is it is a pleasure. Uh, you've definitely been in this game for a long time. You have a lot of knowledge to share, and we're definitely going to get into that because you got a ton of great stuff going on. You have online lessons going on. You got a new symbol. You got books. You got mm-hmm. a lot, and we're going to get into to all of that. Um, I like I always like to get the backstory of the people that I have on the show. So if if you can just give us a a brief history of, of who you are, what you do and, and where you're coming from.
1: All right. Well, I mean, basically I was very young when I started about five years old, four years old. And this, um, always, uh, kind of played in the basement. I have a, a couple of much older brothers. They had bands. The drums were always left in the basement and I was always kind of kicking around a little bit on the drums. I grew up listening to the Beatles and playing along to the records, um, all throughout. Once my brother was out of the house, the record stayed and I listened to records and eventually and, uh, started, you know, James Brown 8-tracks and uh, moved into uh, LPs, moving up in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just kept going, listening and playing. And then by the time I was um, probably about 10 or 12, I got into uh, local drum corps and that really helped my um, my hand technique because I really, uh, you know, I'm pretty much a self-taught drummer, mm-hmm. even... even through high school, I mean, I was involved in drum corps and such, and then uh, in high school bands, of course. But then later on in pretty popular drum corps, uh, the Bridgman from Bayonne mm-hmm. did that. I did some DCI solo snare drum stuff, and uh, and then uh, I when I got to college, which was uh, Moorhead State University in Kentucky, uh, I really I really couldn't read very very well uh, mm-hmm. rhythms or anything really. Even I, though you were doing all the Snare drum stuff. A lot of it was by rote. Ah. You know, we mm-hmm. talked by rote. I could read, you know, essential like 8th, 16th, but nothing really crazy. Right, right. Then when I, you know, I still got a scholarship because I could play. Mm-hmm. We'll teach you how to read. Just come to school. We'll teach right, you right. how to read. And, all that. Cause, and I never had a teacher until I got to college. When I got to college, it was my first teacher. But records in this, and that was my teachers, you know, Ringo, right. Black, you know, Jabo, and, and listening, Al Jackson Jr., those mm-hmm. guys. Tiki Fullwood, those guys are my teachers, you know. Mm -hmm. I got to college then I really started studying. And um, so I spent four years, got a bachelor's in music ed, then another fifth year and got a master's, got involved in percussion ensemble, did a lot of that, which really taught me how to be a musician. I really went from being a drummer to a musician in college. And I think that's the biggest thing with, you know, ensemble and stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. learned a lot. Uh, And it was really the best decision I could have made, you know, playing in big band percussion ensemble, Right. Small, small groups. And, and really just started doing shows like this, you know, local theater stuff. And then uh, uh, I got back home. And uh, at that time, I was, you know, my drum set was really starting to take off. And uh, I taught high school for one year and I was really young. I was just like 22. I was right out of college. Right. And I left that because I started studying at Drummers Collective in New York City and I started going there three days a week. It was a very different scenario back then. It was you could just go and take classes, like six week, eight week classes on various things. Mm-hmm. And I hooked up with some teachers on drum set: uh, Hank Jaromello, Ricky Sebastian, who was from New Orleans, who happened to be in New York at the time. Mm-hmm. He, he taught me a lot. Uh, Rob Weiner, and then of course Frankie Malabe taught me for about three or four years. Um, so that's I really immersed myself in drum set at that time and studied my tail off. Uh, And Peter Erskine was in town at the time, um, and Steps Ahead records were out. I used to go see Steps all the time. Uh, And uh, I used to take lessons at his apartment on 23rd Street, and we used to kick it, and I used to go to concerts and watch them play. And so I developed that way, you know, and studied, kept studying. And uh, that, I guess, brings us up to my first instructional video release, which was Snare Drum Rudiments. Mm -hmm. And uh, that came from, um, studying at drummers collective. Um, Rob Wallace was the director and he knew I had done drum corps and DCI stuff and asked me if I want to do a video and I was like videos. Sure. Okay. Right. right. You know, VHS, you know, right. Yeah, man. The, like the old, uh, what was that the DCI videos? The DCI music videos, which was mine, uh, the the Gad Two Gad videos, I think the Steve Smith video and Jocko and a few others, were the only instructional videos at the time. So now, it, did you did you have a name at that time? Uh, as a drummer, I mean, yeah. not really. I mean, people knew me as a as a rudimental rudimentalist. I mean, I was making a name, quote unquote, as a drummer because I started working. I was doing. I started subbing Broadway stuff. Right my teacher Hank got me into doing a chorus line so I was doing that very regularly
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh the original Broadway production so this is this was literally a year out of college All right and that's a tough nut to crack too the Broadway nut it is it's it's hard and it's also political uh, yeah. so well, hence the fact that my teacher was a sub so he got me in
0: right when it's funny i was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday and he said oh man you should start doing some Broadway gigs i was like that's not just a thing that you just like walk up to broadway and say hey man i'm gonna I'm gonna start doing these gigs.
1: Yeah, it's difficult. It's uh, and it's very political. I mean, it's a lot of times even now. It's not even the it's not even the contractors. It's the it's the the conductors who have drummers and friends that they want to work with, and that's sure. what it's all. And it becomes like this circle. But that's how I started subbing and I started getting into doing uh, doing a lot of shows, and then Greece and a few others, and then. Um, You know, pretty much the video was really starting to do, was doing really well. And I really got into doing a lot more clinics. And and, um, I did a a bunch of clinics all around the place, all around the States. And and, uh, I made my first trip to the UK. And that's when clinics were really just starting to come into being as a thing. Like in the mid-80s, they started to get really popular.
0: Right, right.
1: So mid to late 80s, I did a lot of that. Let's see. uh, What else in terms of? The next thing after Broadway, I think my first first early records I did with a guitarist named Ed Hamilton, smooth mm-hmm. jazz guy. Uh, Stanley Clark was on a was on a record. Um, Gerald Weasley, great bass player from mm-hmm. Philly, which you may have heard of. Yeah, was yeah. On a few of those records, and from playing in Ed Hamilton's band, um, I met a great percussionist named Jose Rossi. Okay. Was in Weather Report. He did uh, Domino Theory, Procession. He was in the band with Victor and Omar, and uh, he was from Philly. As uh, and I didn't know that he was Patty LaBelle's percussionist mm. through all of those years. So he, we played a bunch of gigs together, and then what he did was he invited me into audition for Patty's band. So I did Patty's band for for a little while. Awesome. And uh, that was my first, I would say, major, big kind of gig. You know, sure. sure. And, you know, Patty changes drummers like shoes. <laughs> so, uh, But it was fun to be in that kick for a while and do that and learn a lot and play with some great musicians. And uh, so, you know, it was it was, you know, I, my road came from from academia in terms of, you know, going to school for music, mm-hmm. coming out and coming back up here. I knew I wanted to come back up here. I actually turned down a T.A. to North Texas. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because I didn't want to go to Texas for two years. You know, right. I said, oh, man, you know, I want to come back home. I want to start immersing myself into the scene, which I did. And I just started studying, like I said, at the collective and with Peter and a bunch of other people and started doing those gigs. Kept doing, you know, Broadway stuff and then touring and um, and then teaching a lot, man. You mm-hmm. know, really involved in uh, and I later started teaching at Drummers Collective. So I always knew, like, that I would teach and play. Right. Right. So You know, some people play and they say, oh, well, I'll. Okay, now I don't have any gigs, so I'll teach. Right. For me, I've I always, I mean, I started teaching like my neighborhood kids when I was like 12, 13. You know, I was mm-hmm. teaching kids how to play beats and stuff like that. So I've always done it. So, and I loved it. Now I knew I i would always do it. So it's always been a weaved, interweaved thing, you know, playing right. and teaching at the same time, which is how you make a living. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And, you know, I think that
0: well, this has been. A thing that we've talked about on this podcast numerous times with other people that a lot of people talk about wanting to play and then like you said they say oh well, I don't have all the gigs so I'm gonna teach and I think that unless you love teaching you shouldn't be doing it and I don't know if I may be hurting some feelings out there that are listening it's but true. but you know it's you know you might as well you might as well get a day gig at at Starbucks and then you know and then it doesn't pay as well though what's that it doesn't pay as well <laughs> no.
1: well the thing is, you know yeah you gotta love teaching and sometimes you know people are disingenuous about teaching that's mm-hmm. for sure I mean well I think it's begin- not to cut you off but uh, you know a lot
0: of people say those who do do those who can't teach
1: no it's absolutely you know? not true absolutely I I totally true. agree with you yeah absolutely not true and and I've never aspired to that either I know a lot of people do say that so it's an old it's old wives tale really you know mm-hmm. I mean the great drummers from, from the years of Joe Morello always taught right Right. Even Buddy, Buddy would teach whenever he could. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of great drummers taught over the years, and I and totally I, agree. I really think it's and it, and through me teaching has helped me be better in so many ways, right? And I had really good teachers too. So and um, it 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 makes you hone in on your on on technique and, and coordination and stuff like that. And so I, I kind of always always uh, developed learning from those a lot of great books of course syncopation and new breed and this and that but i also would write stuff that i would learn in drum core i'd write my own exercises for people and start right. developing that uh, transcribing a lot which is which then turned into teaching you know things and and uh, learning and actually going back over things that i learned when i was a, a youngster and actually now knowing what it is and would write <laughs> about. and i'm really a stickler for learning stuff really authentically right um i think it's really important and uh you know they come to you students come to you and entrust you uh to teach them um what they don't what they may hear on the record but they can't figure it out they don't know right Um, i was gotten in a debate with some online person um teacher and and we went back and forth and and this and that he goes well look you know you know, if they wanted to learn exactly, they wouldn't come to me or they wouldn't come to you. They'd go right to the source and learn. It's like, well, what are you talking about? They're not going to go right to Clyde Stubblefield and ask them to show them the beat. Right. That's that's your task as the teacher to show them the authentic, the right one as best as you can.
0: Right. Right. You
1: know, and then modify it and adapt it to that student. But I mean, you know, yeah, it's easier said than done. We'll go right to the source, listen to the record, get it. But that's Students can't get it that way,
0: right? Especially what if you um, what if you're trying to learn something that Elvin did?
1: Exactly. So then, like, what do you do? Your task is to, as a teacher, if you want to elevate to that level, is to get in there, dive in, rip it apart, all kinds of C D slow down, great, slow down, or devices that you can get in there and say, "Yeah, man, this is what he's doing. This is what he's doing." And that's you know, I'm I'm really into that and breaking things down for guys and helping them learn.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two things that two things that i want to uh that i want to touch on one a common theme that runs through this podcast like i said i've done over 90 of these interviews and the one thing that that sticks out the most is because i'm interviewing the best drummers in the world the guys that have been doing this for years and and have great success and the diversity and and studying all of these different genres and working in different groups from rock bands to to combos to you know, percussion ensembles to all of sure. these different things. And that is the common theme of this entire podcast that I'm starting to see. How important do you think that diversification has been in your career?
1: Uh, I learned how to how to play in a group by being in percussion ensembles. I mean, I developed my ears. I mean, the biggest thing, and I don't think drummers do that enough, is develop their ear training enough to listen in, in, instead of just, like, jumping on top of things and just play, play, play. you got to listen harder. Mm-hmm listening in these different groups was, was huge in terms of genre style i bring a lot of different things to who i play uh, whether it's broadway show you're going to ask to be playing a from a two beat to a mambo to swing to whatever so you have to be pretty diverse
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and it, you know uh, could be hey in patty's gig you know you have to do a, a pseudo cha-cha with uh you know, uh, if you're going to play uh, Lady Marmalade, you know, that great beat that was developed by Herman Ernest, you know, you got to learn some different styles and be able to bring that to the table. Right. It's very important. And about the ear training is huge. And I, I think drummers, the, the biggest thing we worked on chops, we work on fills, but you got to, this is the most important chop in your body when it comes to being a musician is this. And I've al- always played by ear, uh, and, I, and I still play by ear, even if I'm reading. I may get lost, but I always got these, and right. I'm always listening, you know? And some people read without listening. Right. <laughs> it's true. They'll read it, you know, but they're not listening to what they're playing. So, I mean, it could be a two-bar groove. One of the things I've, I, I, I found interesting teaching a lot uh, over the years was having a, a transcription of a could it even be a two-bar groove that would give somebody a Clyde beat or something. Right. And they'd be playing it, and they will be looking at it, and then I'll just reach over, and, and I'll turn the stand. Away from them, and, <laughs> right. and they'll stop. I said, what would you stop for? I'm, you took the music away. I said, yeah, but that's not the music. Right, right. That's not the music. <laughs> yeah. That just happens to be the medium, but that's not the music. Right, that's the roadmap. you got to... roadmap. You're right. not listening to what you're playing. By now, we were playing it 10 minutes. If you don't know it by now, you're not listening.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And They're, I mentioned this before about... What's that? And they were playing it just fine.
0: Right, right. You know, it's funny that you say that because I've, I've brought up before that, you know, a lot of times people will play, let's just say a paradiddle, for example, and they hear it as just this square thing that's just that, 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 And then, you know, and especially younger drummers, they say, well, that doesn't sound any that doesn't sound cool or hip to me. And it's like, well, you're just you're reading it and playing it, but you're not playing it musically.
1: And you're not memorizing it. And that's right. a big thing is, and I, you know, in my book, hands, grooves and fills, which is one of was probably my next DVD that I did after that people would know about seven years ago now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The book in a DVD, um, I teach you how to memorize your rudiments. And the biggest thing I learned when I was a kid in drum corps back in the day when I was telling you how I learned was to memorize four bar, eight bar, 16 bar phrases. We would we, play playing by ear and memorize rudiment combinations. Right. And that stuff's harder than you think,
0: you know, it's challenging. It is. It is. When you take something, you take a even
1: even a four bar or a two bar phrase. You know, it's like, man, this and is try to memorize it. Yeah, yeah it's difficult. And it, the Pratt book or any of those, you know, play them, but try to memorize them. That's when you really, really learn them. When you've got them memorized, you know. Right. So, right. It's grooves and Fills is is still out. It's doing good. It's it's a uh, Hudson Limited um, product. I think it's uh, available for digital download now at, at Hudson Music mm-hmm. uh, online site. Um, And I did some new um, stuff in terms of um, uh, uh, Drum Guru, in terms of hands. I did two rudimental uh, packs for your hands at Drum Guru. So Mm -hmm. if you have the Guru app, you can do that. And again, working with Rob Wallace, who developed uh, Drum Guru, and we've had a great relationship all these years. And it's rudimental combos, diddles with rolls, flams, flam combinations rolls, and it's great warm-up stuff, but it's great musical phrasing ideas. Right. And, and things for you to memorize. So as you sit down and, and, like Buddy Rich once said, the snare drum is the instrument. Right. You know, that is, it's a drum set, but the snare drum is it. You sure. know, So you play that, and you can, everything else can come from the snare drum if you've got some, and I don't mean chops in terms of, like, chop-chops. I mean, like, just rudimental combinations, because they're phrasing ideas. Right. Like scales, right. you know?
0: Exactly. It's, it's you know, the... A lot of drummers don't learn the proper stuff because you can walk up to a drum set and hit it and it makes noise. So mm-hmm. you can't just grab a guitar and start playing chords or anything like that. So people think, oh, well, I don't need to learn all of this stuff. Well, if you want to play guitar, you need to learn the chords. That's
1: a great analogy. That's a great analogy. It's exactly what it is. Modes in particular. That's, you know, guitar players need to get into modes. Right. And and, and things of like that. Inversions. You know, and the rudiments are the same thing. So, you know, hands grooves and fills and the drum guru apps, another thing that I'm, you know, involved in and doing from having from an educational standpoint.
0: And just to speak to the validity of that book, I told you before we got on the call uh, that myself and another drummer, Dylan Wissing, who's, you know, a multi Grammy award winning drummer. We work out of that book every single morning. We have this thing called the Drum Breakfast Club.
1: There you uh, go. Yeah, come up there and get some Hoboken,
0: dude. Anytime you're well. Anytime you want to come up, man. We get together every morning, either 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. Every every, Monday through Friday, we get together in Dylan's studio, and we just we hit the pad and we work out of your book, and then uh, we work out of a, a couple different. We work out of some stick control. Or we work out of stick control, some other stuff, and then we switch it up. But your book every day has been the staple.
1: And I'm honored. That's fan- that's fantastic. That's mission accomplished. That's what Good. I wrote for. So <laughs>
0: to all the listeners out there, definitely pick this book up because it is it's challenging. It's it's fun, and I mean I'm definitely seeing some great results of it. we've only yeah, been doing it for about DVD a month.
1: So book, so you get it as a package. You can get the DVD and the PDF. I think you know digitally now on at Hudson's site or on Amazon.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I want to go back a little bit because we, we were talking about teaching and, and a question popped up into my head that we kind of got away from that topic. So I want to circle back around for a second. So when you have a student, I think, you know, when I first started teaching, I had a little bit of an issue of figuring out how to get students onto a, a particular path and a curriculum, so to speak. And I know that every student is different, but how do you one, because there's a lot of listeners that are also teachers that, that listen to the podcast. So how do you, one, uh, evaluate a student? And then, two, how do you how do you start to build a curriculum for them to make sure that, you know, every lesson you're not just saying, oh, well, let's work on this today or yeah, let's, let's work on let's that? this week." Yeah, I, I
1: pretty much set it up. And when I wrote my book, Hands, Grooves, and Fills, those are the aspects that I cover. We work on hand exercises. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work on uh, groove vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Slash style vocabulary, and some fill in ideas, which we could mean some coordination ideas or some voicing ideas, things that they need coordination-wise to get them into playing some fills and lead-ins. Right. So I definitely everybody kind of needs the same thing, and then there's mm-hmm. the reading aspect. So uh, even if it's within a half an hour, student, some people take forty-five minutes, sometimes an hour, but within that half hour, definitely do a reading component. Mm-hmm. Um. So that will plug my next thing, which is a DVD called Learn to Read Rhythms Better. Right. Some of you may have that or seen it on Amazon. It's a complete reading um, method from this is a whole note to this is how you read complicated stuff. It's two DVD set. Right. And it comes with a PDF, and it's play-along reading lessons. Nice. So it's on a PDF. You see the arrow go across, and you read it, and it plays along, and you can follow along with it. And it's like in a YouTube format. Mm-hmm. So, I use that as my foundation for teaching and, and use those rhythms that are in there. So, there's a reading component, and then you assign them the next step to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep the rhythm reading going, and then we get into a uh, rudiment combination, maybe a diddle combination, or we're working on memorizing. I think the biggest thing is um, why, when students ask, why should you learn the rudiments? You don't have to just go up and say, well, because you learn them on the drum set, because that's not really true. You don't have to apply them to the drum set necessarily. It's just to get your dexterity together. Right. What makes it fun, like you said, just doing a paradiddle is pretty mundane. Mm-hmm. But when you start putting them in the diddles and double paradiddle combinations, paradiddle diddles, <laughs> and you start mixing them up, that's where the, that's where the musicality starts to come into play. You know and, I mean?
0: and we're not even talking about voicings yet. We're still, right. you know.
1: <laughs> strictly combinations right you know and diddles and rolls and start memorizing the rudiments and putting them together so there's a so you're talking about you know 10 minutes or so 10 to 15 minutes of some reading could, you know and it's not a lot of sheets maybe three or four lines of reading make sure that's happening some some uh, w- um, diddle combinations in I'm not one that's going to sit down in the pad and warm up for 10 minutes. I mean, they're paying you for your time I and mean, they should be a little bit warm when they get there. Mm-hmm. But if they're not, they'll be warm by, you know, by just reading through the exercises that you're doing. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So I like to cut to the chase. I like to get down into it really quickly. Anybody who's ever studied with me will know there's not a lot of, hey, so what do you want to do today? Right. I'm not really about that. And. Then the rest of the time is depending on the student what level they're at if they're working on something in in the jazz style for the for maybe for the college band or a jazz band we'll get into that maybe there's a chart that they gotta set learn how to do a setup for what have you uh, we go I have a groove checklist so we we go right down the sheet and we see you know let's uh how's the boss how's the samba if they're good with that we're gonna immerse ourselves into a style so when I teach a style, we don't just do one or two weeks on Brazilian right we're gonna spend two months on Brazilian mm-hmm gonna play the mess out of it until they're very very comfortable with it right then we'll move on to afro-cuban and we'll dive into afro-cuban for three months four months maybe mm-hmm. yeah i know it takes years sure. but it but immerse yourself you know, in it, don't you? Can't just do a one-off on Afro-Cuban,
0: right, right, right.
1: right. Unless you already know your foundations, sure, it's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then always developing timing in grooves. So whether it's you know a four-four thing, whether it's a, a Clyde's double groove or contemporary groove, I'm not much into. Uh, doing newer transcriptions because my thing is, a lot of drummers these days know what's going on today and can play a lot of the new stuff that's out there already. Because right. they're gravitated to that. But they still don't know a s- second line. They still don't know Mardi Gras Indian beats. Mm-hmm. They still don't know Zydeco They still don't know a fat back beat. You know, they don't know Cold Sweat. They don't know Mother Popcorn. They don't know Al Jackson Jr. They don't know Green Onions. They don't know. Right, this, right, right. But they know. Snarky puppy as well. They should sure great, and they can play a lot of that stuff already. But I try to fill in, like you say, backfill. I like to kind of fill in what they don't know, Mm -hmm. Mm you know, historically. That's really important,
0: right? And it's it's funny watching a drummer open up their eyes when you say, "Oh, well, do you know where this came from? It came from this," and they're like, "Oh, that's cool." And then you say, "Do you know where that came from? That came from this, exactly." And then that came from this, and then it's like. Mind blown, and, yeah, you know. Bulb,
1: you know, and it's and and that's really important, you know, and and you know, um, uh, just even the evolution of jazz drummers, you know, mm-hmm. Kenny Clark or Papa Joe Jones and listening to the evolution of the ride, the ride beat, absolutely. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> you know, it wasn't just something that just happened, which came from Second Line, which came from marching, came from that whole lineage, you know, right,
0: right. I remember so, I grew up, I actually grew up, my brother's six years older than me, so uh I grew up all listening to hip hop when I was in like 4th sure. and 4th and 5th grade and nobody knew who any of this stuff and I was listening to like old school hip hop and then I really got you know I got into drumming and then I started listening to like james brown and i was like wait a minute that's that eric b and Rakim beat or that's the yeah, the yeah. epmd and it, that blew my mind you know yeah, that's huge realizing that they sampled all that stuff you know once yeah. i started figuring that i was like wait a minute i gotta go back and find all this stuff sure.
1: and it's even when you teach somebody the amen break you know and you right. listen to the way i was just going over that today actually and it's the it's it's a british a no name british band and you mm-hmm. know what was it it was like the beatles learned from little richard and all of those guys from over here and listening to those great records, and they they put their spin on it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: brought it back to us. Then Pat Petrillo heard it and millions of others and said, oh, the Beatles are so cool. Right. And then I realized, oh, wow, yeah, that's Little Richard. Oh, that's this. Ah, okay. And that got me back into more and researching even more and digging deeper. Now, the Beatles never said they were the most original beat band ever. You, you always heard Paul and everybody say, and... And John in particular and, and, and how much they learned from those guys you know mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. early '50s you know artists and, and they admired them you know and um, so I, we're all learning from each other right and, you know right. it's huge now I want to ask you because
0: I can I consider you a master player and a master teacher and you, man. and I get this question a lot so I'm going to pass this question on to you and it's a broad question but people always say, what should I be practicing?" What should I be working on? I don't know what to i i there's eighty million things to learn, and what should I be learning so you know i always I always talk about let's let's look at your weaknesses and things like that um but i, I would love to hear your your thoughts and opinion on it
1: hmm. okay I'm gonna say it in one word music okay hmm we need to work on music right and and whatever musically. That is something that you don't know or is your weakness. Put that CD on or put that, put it on your iPod. and you'll find that I would say a good 75, eighty percent of it is within your wheelhouse if you're pretty accomplished at relatively accomplished as a drummer right. And play music, don't play licks. Mm-hmm. Don't work on things that are inconsequential to the music at this stage of your development. I mean, anytime that I learned from guys, I always learned music. I learned music from Peter. I didn't learn licks. I right. learned music from, you know, how to phrase. I learned about dynamic contour, about filling, discipline, um, my sound. You should be working on your sound. What did I say this in clinics and a lot? Um, what do I sound like? What do you as a drummer sound like to the rest of the band? Mm-hmm. What do you sound like to that person sitting in the back row? Are you reaching them? What do you sound like to the bass player? Put yourself in their shoes. That's what you should be working on. I mean, are there challenging, filling things, gymnastics that you can work on? Mm -hmm. Yes. And take the time to do that. It does stretch you. There's nothing wrong with that. But I guarantee you, if you find music that's challenging to you, you will find that thing that you can work that chop in you know that you're working on. You right, know, right. go go listen to a Steps Ahead record. Go listen mm. to some Weather Report. Listen to Alex Acuna, Omar King, Dennis Chambers. You'll find something in there that you can't do, yeah. but it's music based. Right, it's right. Music based, and that's what I try to do. If I'm working on a beat, all my all my grooves have playlongs from the hands, grooves and fills thing to my, some of my newer stuff that's on my website on uh, drumstudiolive.com. Everything is a play-along so you can... I know guys that maybe live in a, in a Midwest area or someplace that they don't have a lot of musicians to work with. They need that. They crave that. That's really right. important. But it's got to be music. Work on music and not licks. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, most people work on licks and not music. Right. So when they get in to play music, they sound like they're practicing their licks.
0: Right. Right. And it's a it's a it's a self-serving thing. And I don't think that people do it consciously. I, you know, I'm I don't think they're saying.
1: Try to tell them they don't understand that. It's not like some people are doing it, uh, you know, and they don't realize that they do too much of it before they know it. That's what they sound like. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be like and I make this analogy. You're in a band. Right. And you're playing an R&B tune and the guitar player instead of playing rhythm guitar. He's doing his best Jimi Hendrix.
0: Right, right.
1: All over that song. Mm-hmm. And he's just pooping all over it. <laughs> I know and a couple of people
0: that do that kind of
1: stuff. You'd be really pissed. You'd be <laughs> really upset if you're the drummer and you're sitting there trying to be like, why are you soloing so much? What are you doing? Well, dig this. Shoes on the other foot. Musicians are grooving. And you're up there. You're soloing on top of the music. Right. That's what they think you're doing. <laughs> and and you I hear it from other musicians a lot. I really, really do. So And again, people are, oh, you're just hating. I'm <laughs> um, not hating because I can play it. Right, uh, right. I'm not saying senior saying, I'm saying it because I can't do it. Right. Um, there's some stuff I definitely can't do. Sure. But a lot of it is, yeah, okay, I see what you're doing, but why is the question. Exactly. It's that discipline that other musicians seem to have.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: imagine if this whole time you and i were having
0: this conversation every time you went to say something i was like hey man hey it's like hey can can we can we talk or do you just you know uh, people
1: that talk like that are
0: annoying and people that play like that are annoying you know
1: yeah and and, the, and you know what teaches that is j- if and i you know a lot of a lot of people don't play jazz but jazz teaches you that discipline
0: right right
1: hey, i mean you know it, it,
0: i think a lot of people don't know what they don't know, and I don't mean that in a in a condescending or negative way by any means. But like, how do you how do you know if what you're playing isn't the hippest shit out there?
1: Yeah, well, it's not even a matter of hip. I think it's a matter of appropriate and timing of when you play it. Let's put right. it that way. Right. And when, I think if you play a, 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 an improvisational music and you're playing with other musicians, and you'll know when that player how to be supportive as a musician as opposed to being a soloist. Mm-hmm. How to be a supportive team player, you know. Right. A member of a cohesive rhythm section. Sure. And I I mean I'm I'm glad I grew up listening to the music I listened to. I'm glad I was five, six years old and I was sitting there listening to Beatles records.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't have a drum set all the time. but those guys when they practiced my my if you remember twenty minutes ago saying my brother's band, the drums were down there and I'd get down there and try to play, you know. Right. But then their drums weren't there. I was just sitting there listening,
0: mm-hmm.
1: listening to the lyrics. And, and listening is uh,
0: it's it's 70 percent of it, you know, of, of actually 90% learning it. 90
1: percent of it. ninety yeah. percent. Because if you have some modicum of 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 coordination and talent, you can play anything you hear.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know? And mm-hmm. I do that to students, too. Sometimes I play drop the needle What I used to what we used right. to call drop the needle back in college. Right. Uh, you know, I'll say, all right, put something on, listen to it, all right, play it. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, it's hard because they don't come from it from that way. They're very analytical about it. You know, well, can you write it out for me? No, no, (laughs) I can't. I can, but I won't. Right. Play it because a lot of times you got to be able to adapt on the fly. Like even if if you're in a rehearsal scenario, Mm -hmm. somebody changes a rhythm hit to anything Changes it up and you can. well, can I see that written out? We don't have time for all that. Right, right. This is what it is. Right. All right, quick story, real quick on this, on this thing. And we can get into anything you want. On this same discussion, audition, I like when I auditioned for Patti LaBelle's band. So um, I showed up and uh, I was a half an hour early and nobody was there. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes in, still nobody there. 15, 20 minutes later, people started showing up, so they were all late. I wasn't on time, but I had I was told to bring my drums, which I thought was really weird, right. to the f- warehouse in Philly. And I didn't know that all the drummers that they asked were going to be there at the same time. I thought we all had different times. <laughs> so everybody showed up with their drums at the same time. <laughs> so we pulled in. There was one platform stage. OK, mm-hmm. everybody else had to be on the floor. So I got there first. So I put my drums up on the stage. There was uh, five of us. I was on the stage and two on this side, two on this side. We all set up. And then I thought we we're all going to leave the room and mm-hmm. they call us in one at a time. They just wanted us to be on our kits, whatever. It's like, no, everybody at the same time. What? Everybody at the same time. OK, so Bud Ellison, the MD, walked in. and He says, all right. We're going to do Lady Marmalade. He's like, we're all looking at each other. It's like, okay, yeah. You play the kick drum part. You play the snare drum part. You play the hi hat part. You don't do nothing. You do a fill if I ask you. He went <laughs> gave everybody a thing. So, hey, if you don't know the beat to Lady Marmalade, it's over. Right, right. So, yeah, I'm like, boom, um, boom, um, boom, um, boom, um, boom. Um, um. Right, right. So you got to know it's a it's a relatively simple part, but you got to know the part. Mm -hmm. It was a train wreck, obviously. So two or three of the guys got sent packing within the first hour, Hmm. and then he did a normal audition after that. But that's to show you what that was all about. And I didn't realize it at the time. He was the MD. He was the musical director, so he was going to see who was listening, and who thought what he was saying was whack. Right who was going to give him attitude, who mm-hmm. was going to laugh at him or do what he said? right. I would have done whatever he said, but naked if he asked me to right <laughs> so that was a lesson in following direction and, and you know in learning how to change and be adaptive on the spot, and that's all about using your ears
0: right that's amazing too, it's and it, you know that it's happened, and like you said, if you don't know the music. If you you know, if you don't know the whole, everything of what's going on, you're never going to make it through
1: that. you got to know the beat. And any club date, you know how many weddings that we've all been to, the weddings, you know, that the mm-hmm. quote-unquote bad wedding band. Well, the only thing that makes it a bad wedding band is probably the drummer's playing the song too fast and he's playing the wrong beat.
0: Right. Yep. You
1: know, or, or the singer doesn't sound great. But, I mean, a lot of times it doesn't sound like the record. So my job in any situation is to sound like the record or sound what the, like what that artist needs you to sound like. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not time to say no I'm bringing me to this gig. Right. They don't want to know you, they want to know the music. What's sure. on the record? Sure. You can do you
0: on your record.
1: Do you on, yeah. Right. You right. know. Yeah, and any, any great team player will tell you that.
0: Sure. And you know, it's it's um it's amazing that the time and I'm you know I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to where I came up listening. That's what I listened to. I listened to records. I listened to you know whole albums and everything, and then got into reading and writing stuff later. Uh, which you know one of the biggest compliments I ever got was you have great ears and killer instincts behind the drums. You that's know, what you need man. And I may not be able to write as well or read as well. Um, I mean, I write I write and read well, but like I couldn't you know read down. Thirty charts in a row. Sure. Um, but it's just amazing going that way versus learning all of the reading and writing meticulously and not listening
1: at all. You gotta listen. It's so huge. It really is. There's so many things. Things can go wrong. Your music can blow off the stage. Where right. are you at? Where are right. you at? Right. You know. And right now you you're you're playing by ear. Mm-hmm. I play with a trumpet player now and his and his band, Alchez, great trumpet player, was in a Letterman band for many years. Mm-hmm. And we're doing a bunch of festivals. Jazz Fest we will be touring this this spring, uh, nice. some festivals. And I don't even use charts anymore because we've played these tunes enough. And because some of these, we do some original arrangements of some great R&B and, and even rock songs, believe it or not.
0: Nice.
1: We also do some Gordon Goodwin tunes. I don't know if you're familiar with Gordon Goodwin mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Big Fat Band. And those are like 10-page mamma-jamas. Right. I'm not even trying to turn those pages in. <laughs> You know what I mean? If I don't have it and we've played so many, you know, play it. You should know. And once you're off book, it makes it a lot easier.
0: Yeah, then it then it can breathe, you know.
1: Yeah, most definitely.
0: So now we, we've talked about all of the, the playing aspect of, of everything that you do and all of the, the work that you put into that. Now let's talk about the other side of the coin is all of the, I want to say like the quote-unquote business stuff. And you and I had talked about this a little bit off air as, of that that. You know the goal of Drummers Resource is to spawn ten thousand professional drummers, ten thousand people that do this as a career, don't have a day gig, and that's what you know. That's the mission of this, and it's a hard thing to to blend the art and the commerce, and that's something that that I think that you do very well. I'm trying, <laughs> <laughs> and you have a ton of irons in the fire. So we we already we talked about. Um, you know, the books and DVDs and stuff that you have, but you also have online lessons. You just came out with a, a new symbol. Uh, so let's let's yeah. first talk about the, the online lessons and then we can talk about the symbol as well.
1: Well, the first thing that I got is my online lesson site is drumstudiolive.com. So if you go to drumstudiolive.com, you're going to see... A website that I'm still, uh, you know, keep populating with lessons, populating with stuff that's going to be ultimately, you know, I notice know guys that are out there doing it, but I'm doing the best that I can with what I have with my knowledge. You know, I'm not trying to copy anybody else. I'm trying to use the technology that's out there and reach people that I have maybe taught previously, whether here in New York or Jersey or whatever, that are now all over the place, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I have online, what, twice a week, I do live lessons from my, it's a subscription site. Mm-hmm. And that's also included in that is the Groove Groovolution video lesson series, which is 27 groove lessons uh, videos that are part of your membership, PDF, MP3s, that goes back to New Orleans, Roots, Second Line stuff, Mardi Gras, Indian, early R&B, Soul, Motown Beats, all this history stuff that becomes part of your lexicon. That's your vocabulary. You should know how to do that. You know what nice. I mean? So that's in part of your lessons. And then I do twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. um, And that's a live broadcast two days a week. And then, um, you know, I'm able to do Skype lessons with anybody anytime they want. But Mm -hmm. fully HD now. We were just having this conversation. The HD stuff was was a really important thing to try to make happen. And I got that now um, all lined up. We got four cameras. Mm-hmm. We got HD. We're, you know, testing out the gear now. We're, we're making sure it all, it's all working. So I've had nice. a lot of guests come through. We've had Steve Gadd in here, Bernard Purdy, uh, Jerry Brown, a lot of great drummers. And um, so I plan on doing some ensemble stuff here too. My buddy Gary Granger, who was in my band, um, uh, Groove Allegiance uh, with Kieley Minucci, who's a guitar mm-hmm. player um, from Special Effects. We have a record coming out this year on my site. So we're going to do bass and drum classes, all kinds of stuff that I can, you know, use this new platform of uh, online lessons to make it to make it something that I've always kind of wanted to do, you know, mm-hmm. and and bring an organized curriculum, you know, forward to the world. So it's drumstudiolive.com. dot mm-hmm. Then I'm also doing uh. I just got asked by drummeo.com to be part of their team. Awesome. I just went up there and did a live lesson at drumio uh, You can see it on YouTube. If you I, it. I
0: already watched it, man. You played your ass off. <laughs> can
1: we I, say ass on the podcast. We just we did. Just did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we don't uh, and we don't edit here at Drummers Resource. So.
1: <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And you know what? Hey, they have a a really great facility up there. They just moved mm-hmm. into a beautiful and it's very inspiring, man, to see what's going on. And nice. in terms of business. You know, you always got to keep changing lanes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to see, hey, you got to keep looking ahead and seeing what's going on or else you're going to get passed by. And I I like learning new things. So I remember when Steve came in here last year, last, not this September, uh, last uh, September, and he's seen all, you know, all the gear that's in here in the control room. When he's looking in, he goes, Pat. How did you learn all this? stuff? <laughs> I was like, Steve, I don't know. I was on the phone and saying, "What button do I push now?" Right, right. And just you, just learn it, man. You just get in there. Of course, I had a couple guys who helped me out sure. of there, and I got a guy who switches all the stuff live for me now. But, but anyway, Drumio is really cool. I'm going to be doing it every Friday at Drumio.com. So if you are a member of Drumio, I'll be seeing you. Every Friday,
0: so you'll be sort of. I, I guess they have like a satellite, uh, satellite
1: teacher, satellite be, teacher, right? I'll be beaming in from my drum studio live facility to Drumio. so cool. they'll be the code and all that. So we're fully HD, four different cameras. So I'll be just, doing just. To, I want to <laughs>
0: interrupt you for one second, and I apologize, but there's a there's a message inside of here that that I want people to realize that when I started this podcast, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to do a podcast. I didn't know how to, how to do any of this stuff. But I was determined to do it, and I figured it out. And so, and now you, with the videos and the live lessons, you didn't know how to do it either. But you were determined, and you figured it out. So for the listeners out there, whatever you're trying to do, there's somebody out there that can help you. There's stuff online. You can read a book. You can call somebody. But if you sure. got something that you really want to do, I say go out there and do it, man, and you can figure it out along the way.
1: Sure, and i tell you what, Nick. I I was very blessed to do the Kickstarter, and I got a lot of people that helped me buy all the gear that I needed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Kickstarter was a great thing. It goes to show you that the things that you do throughout your career follow you, and people trusted me that I was going to bring some education to them, and they were really down for it, and they really helped me out to raise the money to get the gear. That's great. So I, I thank you all who, have d- who did that and entrusted in me. So now i got to deliver.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, the content that's, part is hard. but uh, So let's keep going. So, so, you, so you have the live lessons. You're doing those yeah. twice a week at drumstudiolive.com, and I'm going to put all of that stuff Great. in the show notes page for the podcast, drummersresource.com. Once forward a week and drum
1: go on Fridays.
0: Oh, so you're doing three technically. Then, yeah. Right? yeah. Awesome. Uh, so I'll put all that information on the Drummer's Resource uh, show notes page for this so people can get directly to you and find out all of that information. Um, so let's talk about this symbol. That see, one? <laughs> I don't, so the view or the listeners can't see, but the, this symbol is sitting right behind him. And so he just kind of turned around and was like, this one right here?
1: <laughs> you mean that? Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, for, for the past seven years, I was uh, I have a great relationship with Zildjian. And for the past seven years, we're working on a pretty interesting ride symbol. And here it is. It's called the Organic Ride. Mm-hmm. And it is new for 2015. It is in stores now. Nice. Uh, it is in GC, Ash, everywhere you want to go, you'll find it. It's a 21-inch ride. I wanted something that I was like the Impossible Ride symbol. I didn't want a jazz symbol. Um, I had played a couple of their darker symbols on a bunch of gigs, and I wished. And I said to Paul Francis, who's one of, who was the designer, I said, "Paul, I wish I could get the best of this symbol and the best of this symbol and mash them up." Right. So um, I wanted something relatively dry, medium thin, that you can crash, but yet come back to a good stick, mm-hmm. lathed, raw looking, with a great bell. I wanted a very distinctive bell. And uh, I wanted it buffed on the bottom so that from the audience you could see the brightness and brilliance of the symbols. Always love the look of that. Right. Said, well, that's going to help open your your crash sound. I said, perfect. Hmm. So we went back and forth, man, five six years. And some of the earlier prototype videos you can see on YouTube date back five four or five years ago. Really? Yeah. And, and you know, there's only one reason why I say that, because there's been a couple other rides that have been out consequently. Uh, recently, and then they're going to see this and say, "Oh, Zildjian bid off of da 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 da." Right, uh, right. That's not that's not the case, I and mean, right. we we have video. We have video proof. <laughs> we have evidence. We've been working really working on this for a very long time. And if anything, it's the other way around. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, they've been been very great in developing this symbol, and and the Greg, the best compliment I ever got was from um, was from uh, Gary Husband. Mm-hmm. And if you know Gary Husband is, he's one of the greatest uh, drummers and plays m- amazing piano, and he's just a great musician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's the most musical and diverse cymbal I've ever played in my life. Wow. And that was great, because that's telling me, that's coming from a musician, not just a drummer, you right. know what I mean? Sure. So it's a very, it's a very versatile cymbal, and, and it's like, yeah, there's a lot of versatile cymbals. Yeah, but not like this, because the bell is the distinctive part of this cymbal. So you can swing on it, but then you can go into a bell part and it'll just sing, you know nice. what I mean. Uh, so, are there places
0: now that you can go to listen to the to the sound? Yeah. Now,
1: go on. This, go on YouTube. Go on. Uh, there's. I did a video on it, and go on the Zildjian Facebook and build the Zildjian website. You just go to the Zildjian website, and you'll see it on there. It is a video that I did on it. Cool. Because well, I want to.
0: I, I kind of want to. I'll put the videos up on the on Drummers Resource as well. So, because I, I want to. I want people to see the transition of where it started to where it's where it's uh, gotten. To, you know.
1: Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's the thing about this, the the earlier prototypes were um, sandblasted on top. Mm -hmm. And um, that was starting to get a little bit after a month or so Was getting a little bit not like earthy and organic. It was looking ugly.
0: (laughs) I didn't like
1: the way it was looking. (laughs) And I came up with the word organic. um, Mm -hmm. It just came to my mind. I wanted something like it was carved right out of the earth, right Right out of, you know, raw metals, um, but now it's wire brushed, so it's got a really cool look on top. And after time, it, it the oxidation kicks in, mm-hmm. all these different purples and stuff start popping out of the symbol. Like my prototype I've had for uh, five, six months now, the final prototype, and it's just looking amazing. Awesome. So it's a great-looking symbol, great-sounding symbol, very versatile symbol. So that's on the market And um, I have another product called the P4 Practice Pad that Ludwig had put out a bunch of years ago. We are now reworking it for Evans. So it's probably going to be an Evans product come summertime. Sweet. Real excited about that. It's a multi-level practice pad. Um, If you've seen the P4, you'll know that it has three different levels, four different types of rubber. It's like a little mini drum Mm -hmm. set practice pad. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, you got to have a relationship with a company in terms of developing product um you know um people say oh you know i'm endorsed by this company you know and it's like they don't endorse you you endorse the company can you say that again <laughs> they don't endorse you you endorse the company as right. a artist they don't endorse you as a drummer and probably with a lot of guys, they probably don't endorse you as a person Right? <laughs> because there's some guys who do some questionable things, yes. but you as the artist endorse the thing, endorse the whatever it is that you're endorsing. So right. And it's a relationship. So you got to develop a relationship before you develop any kind of thing like this. And with Zildjian, it's like, they don't do signature symbols, you know? So this is as close as they come. Like Adam mm-hmm. Nussbaum did the Renaissance ride right um so this isn't like a signature symbol although i did develop it for them right. it's a zildjian made product man mm-hmm. that's 100 percent zildjian that's the way they roll and it's uh we're working on a crash and a pair of hi-hats as well but Sweet. um so you have to have a lot of irons in a fire you got to be diverse you got to do as many things as you possibly can um to make a living without being too obtuse
0: right right
1: that's the key you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and develop relationships over time. You don't develop a relationship in a month or two right. or a reputation and a reputation is, is years and years of pounding the pavement and doing, you know, your thing, you know, mm-hmm. I, not- uh, go
0: ahead. And I was just going to touch on, um, the, uh, the endorsement thing about the relationships. These relationships have to be genuine. They have to be, uh, you know, they have to be created over time. Like you said, and they have to be mutually beneficial. And, you know, the biggest thing I like to ask people is I act. I love asking people what I can do for them. I'm more concerned about what I can do for other people than what they can do for me. And Mm -hmm. you know what? Down the road, I may need something from you. And maybe I can call you and say, hey, man, can you do me this favor or something like that? But my thing is, I want to I want to give as much as possible. And the more you that you give, the more that you're going to get as long
1: as you're not doing it in a disingenuous way. Well disingenuous, that's my favorite word. <laughs> it's my favorite word because you know Facebook is a beautiful thing, but it really brings out a lot of and YouTube, a lot of disingenuous people. Yeah. And it comes back to bite you. Yes, it, it does. Really, really does. And I can smell it a mile away. Mm. And a lot of people can smell it a mile away. It's like yep. almost it's almost the over humility type of scenario. Right, right, right. Don't play a role, man. Just just do you. You know, yep. and it's it's it, it'll all be good and it'll all come around. And I, it's like I
0: totally agree, man.
1: It's that's that's. And again, I've been in this since I was, what, 22, 23, in terms mm-hmm. of having a relationship with a company or uh, an endorsement. They got to see what, you know, because even long after your whatever band you're in is done, what are you as a person and as a drummer and as an artist? What value do you bring to them, to their company? They want to be associated with you. Sure. Uh, as a person and mm-hmm. as a human being mm-hmm. and, and as an educator as a drummer that that's really important and it's not always about the band you play in
0: right right and you know it's it's nice like we you know we all just got back from nam and I, so I go around and visit the companies that I have endorsements with and the greatest part of it is walking up to the booth giving the guy a hug and and talking about family and friends How and this and you know yeah. it's like we're not talking about hey can I need some new heads or i you know it's like we're yeah. just, we're just friends. We're talking. Okay. And you know, it's like, Oh, and by the way, you know, like I get a gig next week, maybe I'll see you there. So, you know, it's, 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 not, it's, it's a it friendship.
1: Is. And it's like PASIC. It's exactly what it is. A, right. basic, a PAS convention. It's mm-hmm. a friendship. And <clears throat> even though it may not start that way, you know, it, it starts as a business relationship. Sure, it, it, it should evolve and will evolve into a friendship if you step it, you know, step to it the right way. Mm-hmm. That's, Mm-hmm. So I got that the symbol that's that's out there now. The drum studio live, and I'll be at Drumio, and uh, continue to teach and play and gigs. I got some stuff with Al Chez. Uh I have a new band that I'm uh, rehearsing now called the uh, NYC Big Rhythm Band. Uh, it's an R&B big band. I have original arrangements of some Earth Wind and Fire stuff, mm-hmm. stuff that's like you know that's album cuts, like uh, you know running. And uh, Magic Mind and a lot of those great Earth, Wind Fires things that are real horn band related. Right. So uh, we're going to be playing Iridium in the Cutting Room coming spring. Uh, so uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah,
0: man, I'll definitely come check that
1: out. And clinics. I'm um, going down to Miami in May, uh, in March. I'm going to Canada for a week in May, hitting a lot of shops in Toronto and Ontario and doing um, – Long and McQuaid and a few others up there. So there's clinic tours in the works and stuff like that. So um, you know, just trying to keep it pumping, man. Keep that's, playing and practicing.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And I wish you the best of luck with everything. And I have one more question for you. Yeah. So now you said your favorite word is disingenuous. My favorite word is the F word, which would be failure. And I love mm-hmm. talking about failure because I think that's the the greatest teacher that you could ever have. So you've had a ton of success in your career and you're going to have continued success. But let's talk about one failure that really sticks out in your head that you got over that maybe can help other drummers out there get over some failures yeah. that they've had.
1: I have no problem saying about talking about gigs I didn't get. Right. And I tell this to my students a lot. Probably the first big gig that I didn't get was this was the Spyrogyra gig. Mm. Now uh, Richie Morales had done that gig for a long time. And, uh, I had heard from him that he was stepping down. This was what? Early nineties. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I heard about it relatively late and I was playing with that guy, Ed Hamilton, that I told you about, we had just cut a record. So I put a few tracks together. He goes, man, send your stuff into the management as soon as you can. So, you know, was, Ed was late getting me the, the cassette tape. All right. <laughs> Uh, you know, and so my stuff got there, I think a little late. So, um, I ended up calling, I didn't hear back from him. I called up and I said, Oh, this is Papa Trillo. I sent my stuff in for your audition. Did you get it? Yeah. Well, you know, we pretty much already picked a handful of guys that will, I mean, Richie told me that I should send it in. I, unfortunately, the guys gave me my tape pretty late. I'm sorry, but if he could get a chance to listen to it, I'd appreciate it. Okay. okay Let's we'll see what we can do. hmm day later i got a call back uh pat can you come in for an audition nice (laughs) and i went sure that'd be great so you know auditions are this day that day whatever and and we got you in you know we got a slot we'll squeeze you in at the end and that was awesome you know and i i know it was on the strength of my tape because they didn't know me from nothing you know right right and it was and besides that it was late but they had already picked the guys you know but i went in and auditioned and met dave and and the cats and everybody and and um Oscar Cartaya was still playing bass at the mm. time. I went in, audition, did the best I could, but I didn't get the gig. Joel Rosenblatt got the gig. Joel's a great drummer, mm-hmm. you know, good friend, amazing drummer. And, and and you know, so you get some, you don't get some. Right. And there's many, many things that run into it, too. You know, you have to have, again, relationships with people and, and maybe, you know, there's a... A personality thing You gotta get to know them And fit in There's so many other things There's drumming And there's non-drumming But that was one of the gigs I didn't get uh, Most recently A Radio City, Radio City Music Hall gig That I didn't get um, um, A lot of politics With that one and mm-hmm. um, We won't get into The details of it But <laughs> that was That was very heavily political Right um, It was almost like A fait accompli It was already decided But they had to have Auditions for the union Right Right Right. Right. And that's fine but, you know, you do it anyway. So there's a bunch of failures. Hey, my DCI solo individuals, man, I was in there. I did. I came in third one year. I came in second the next year. I was my last year. I was ready to win this thing, man. I was ready to go out and kill it, right? Right. Came in second. So that was a huge, for me, being a 20, 21-year-old guy, I, that was like a kick in the teeth, man. Mm-hmm. That was like, man... I've been doing this for a long time. I should have won that thing, you know? But right, right, right. It wasn't meant to be. And so those things keep you pushing, you know what I mean? They mm-hmm. keep you motivated, they keep you moving along, and, and I just take the good with the bad and do put my best foot forward at all times and do, do the best I can and 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 let it be determined by a lot of times your fate is not determined by what you do. It's it's other people's decision. Sure, sure. Then there's a lot of things that could go into that decision that you don't even know about, mm-hmm. and nothing you can do about it.
0: Right. So don't worry about it because you could you can't change it either way. You can't so. Change
1: it either way. All right. you can do is go do your thing and mm-hmm. and best person you can be, be the best person drummer you can be, come from an honest uh, an honest place, and then let them decide for whatever reason. Right. And failure is the biggest learner, man. I I, I learn more from my failures than anything. Me but too. It's, it's fun to play gigs. It's fun to have a good time on gigs, and you learn every gig I do. I learn something. Sure, me too. You know, so that's the way it should be. And you're doing a great job with this podcast, man. It's well, thank working.
0: you. I appreciate that,
1: and I appreciate you asking me to come on here. I know we tried to do it a little bit all through the day today, but we <laughs> finally got it together. That's so. all right, man. You know that schedules
0: schedules get crazy, and yeah. and you know I I understand that. So. But I appreciate you taking the time to do it. You know, you, we, you spent a lot of time with us, and I just want to acknowledge you for, for everything that you do in the in the drumming community, and I think I, I I believe in you, man. I think that what you're doing is great. I think you're a tremendous player thank and you. a master teacher, and so thank you for being a part of this Drummer's Resource community, thank, man, and being thank, on here.
1: Thank you for everybody out there, and I want to thank Zildjian, and I want to thank Ludwig Drums, and Ludwig's making some amazing stuff these days. Evans and Promark uh for being so supportive and everything and anything that i do and uh yeah man I, that bag is rocking where's mine <laughs> No, around here. oh mine's in the studio i put I had, I had some cables in it i but, love that bag <laughs> yeah so listen everybody uh do your best out there thanks for for watching this thing man and nick thanks for asking me to be here man
0: absolutely man my pleasure and i'm gonna hold you to it man you got to come up to hoboken and and, uh-huh. and shed with us
1: yeah, man. We'll go get some some serious Danish and some <laughs> We'll go to Carlos and we'll There we go. We'll get some stuff.
0: Good deal, man. Pat, thank you again. I appreciate it and uh I'll talk to you soon. Got it, brother. All right. See ya. So there you have it, the one and only Pat Petrillo. Be sure to visit drummersresource.com forward slash session 88, and you can get all the links and all the information that we talked about in this podcast, including ways that you can get in touch with Pat himself and order his DVDs and his books, which I highly recommend because, like I said, I work out of them every single day. And as I mentioned, there's going to be a question of the day after every podcast. So the question of the day is... What are the biggest questions that you have around getting gigs? And you can leave your answers in this forum on drummersresource.com forward slash session 88 or on the post that I wrote about gigs, The Secret to Getting Gigs, drummersresource.com forward slash gigs check out the site there's way more information on there other than just podcasts check me out on facebook facebook facebook.com forward slash drummers resource on instagram at drummers resource and on twitter at drummers R source and until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening i really do appreciate it spread the love let your drummer friends know let your musician friends know about this great community and uh i'll be talking to you soon peace